Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical rereads podcast, a 17th Shard series where we reread Brandon Sanderson's works and are giant nerds about it. Today we'll be talking about Starsight. Join me is Jesse. Hello, I'm Lady Lameness. Ian. Hey, I'm your writer. Eric. Hey, I'm Chaos. And I'm Mish or First Rainbow Rose. Uh, just like before, we will be doing full spoilers for these during these episodes. As such, this is our warning to viewers and listeners that there will be full spoilers for all Skyward novels except Defiant and the Skyward Flight novellas from this point forward. So, characters. Who do we want to start with? Oh, man. I feel Let's like... Let's start with Spencer. Let's start like, with Spencer. He's the main character. The main character. <laughs> I thought Spencer's arc was quite good in this book of mm-hmm. her needing to realize that, like, these are people... Like that really connected with the stuff with the Delvers. I felt Spencer hearing, oh, they're all insects and kind of being horrified by that was very interesting. I like, I think it's at the end where Spencer's like, oh, but I sent the Delver to Starsight. Like they're the enemy. But then she's like, but, but like they're, they're people too. Like they're not, that's, that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, like it's... that was all very interesting to me. So I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, it's like the the growth of her, like, checking her prejudices. The realization that, oh, Kuna's smile, like, isn't condescending predatory. It's just like, no, Kuna just, like, that's not a thy own thing. Kuna is just trying to connect with you, and they're bad at it. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I always love that moment. The realization that Kuna is entirely genuine throughout the book is like, oh... And also Mrs. Chamwet realizing like, yes, Mrs. Chamwet is not a spy. She's just a very nice lady that's cleaning your house. It was so sad. It's like, oh, are you not pleased with my cleaning? I was like, <laughs> right? no. <laughs> and it's like, it, that's, it's so easy to like spin that away. It's like, oh no, like I, I want to experiment with technology. Like not like I'm replacing you. Like, <laughs> or like, oh. The admitting defeat by having, if you're extra hungry, here's this little dessert. And Spence is like, it was the most delicious defeat I'd ever experienced. (laughs) It's like, I want Mrs. Chamwit to come back. Yeah. I want that conversation of like, oh, yeah, you were um, like housemaid to a human. Oh, it's chill. The Delver can kill a lot of people on Starsight, but not Mrs. Chamwit here. Okay? <laughs> the one person who died. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> she but, is like S tier character. Like if we yeah. were to do a tier list. In my um, live blog of Starsight Thoughts where to Jess, I was like, Mrs. Cham would sob emojis. Like, oh no, not Mrs. <laughs> and then Chamwood. he physically came through to the, the bedroom and was like, Mrs. Chamwood. That was later. But yeah, I did do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like you still did that. Yeah, I did do that. <laughs> this is a very good book at the whole idea of questioning your biases and mm-hmm. your prejudices against people um, based on what you do or don't know about them. And yeah, Spencer really has to adjust her way of thinking in this. And there's some really interesting kind of philosophies that you can pull out of this from the fact that like she comes from such a like militaristic, jigonistic society. And like the, the whole thing at the end where she, her training, her growing up, makes sense that she's like, I have to save Detritus. I have to save my friends. I'll send the Delver 
somewhere else. But then everything else that she's learned has also been brought in. And now there's that tug of war of how do I balance this? Because there's more to it than just good guys and bad guys. And like, she can't see it that way anymore. And like, that is such a fascinating thing to kind of pull out and look at with her character. And like, it continues into Cytonic as well, right? Like, she had a whole breakdown because she doesn't know how to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, which was very interesting because she had a very similar breakdown in um, Skyward, I noticed, that she does in Cytonic because she doesn't know how to balance the the idea of like military life with not killing people and like people mm -hmm. not dying she just she doesn't want her friends to die she wants to be able to fly without her friends dying it's just very fascinating watching her grow up because that, that that's what she's doing she's what 16 17 and having to grow up and realize what it's like to be an adult and what mm -hmm. life is actually like when you take down those walls that and those prejudices that you have from the people around you. I thought we learned that she's 18 now in this book before Spencer and York and kissed. Am I making yeah, that up? She's, she, she's a teenager. She's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> that's, late that's basically it. Yeah. Late teens. But yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was like one of the highlights of the book, really, of like Spencer's arc there. Like I thought that was very good. The one thing about Spencer's arc that kind of confused me was the whole the story about the shadow I never understood and I never quite understood what she was going for with like she was thinking she was the shadow and I think it's because I just didn't understand the story to begin with but that's kind of the bit of her character that I'm like I, I'm just gonna skip over this <laughs> see I, I like the shadow story purely for vibes what it means, yeah. I don't really know either. <laughs> it just is a cool story. It's one of those, like, I think Brandon's trying to do some philosophical stuff, and I'm just like, what, though? <laughs> like, it, feel, it feels like something a little like that. Like, yeah, I think it, like, may, like, tie in sort of with the Delvers, maybe. Yeah. Of, like, because, like, there is that, like, the Delver, like, presenting itself as like Spence's shadow or reflection yeah. dynamic. But like it's not explained very well. Yeah. My first thought whenever I read it is, is this Peter Pan? Oh wait, no, this isn't Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a guy with a shadow and you, and if you look at it through like twisted time and how like Genghis Khan and all the rest of the stories get twisted and the thing that I did like uh, with Spencer talking about the stories the Grand Grand told her um, was how she was so fixated on the idea of like what happened after the story and how like the hero wasn't allowed to go home and mm. like became some sort of a loner compared to the community they were once in. And just like the foreshadowing of her having the choice of do I go back to Detritus or do I go to the nowhere? and yeah. try and figure out what's going on there. And I, I think that that was foreshadowed well. I can understand why she was so worried and fixated on that when she thinks that she's basically the hero in this case. And it's like, what if at the end of all this, I'm just as isolated as I was at the beginning? And I can really see her being so worried about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it, it amuses me that like when they're forming the flight for the first time, and it's like Spencer is all like, oh, we all need call signs. <laughs> and the call sign she gives herself is spring, which is like a reference to like her name, SP spin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're you're breaking uh, cover there a little bit of like it's call signs are supposed to like first letter of your name. Your name's Alanique right now. You're breaking cover. Ah. I, I love how everyone was uh, brain was like call signs aren't required. And then just everyone's just like, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. Drops yeah. Them immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She tried. Kind of talked about Mbot in the last episode, and at least his ending. I have a comment for Mbot. Let, let's talk about Mbot. It's towards the beginning of the book, and it's just such beautiful foreshadowing to what ends up happening with Mbot in Cytonic, which is that's easy for you to say, Mbot replied. You've lived your whole life with autonomy. For me, it's a new hazardous thing, a weapon I've been handed with no instructions. I might be on my way to becoming something terrible, something I don't understand and cannot anticipate. Mm-hmm. That's right. amazing. There is some planning in this series here. That's definitely <laughs> yeah. one of those for sure. Yeah, I definitely think that um, Brandon knew what he wanted to do with Embut and mm-hmm. with... Uh, how Mbot was related to AIs and what would happen going forward. Um, because there's the whole conversation that Mbot has with Spencer of, well, I mean, you like me, but what if there was two of me? What if there was a hundred? What if there was a thousand Mbots? That's basically what the Delvas yeah. are. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, there's an AI that suddenly just copied themselves over and over and over again. And again, it's just more foreshadowing for what we learn in the future. But I think that Mbot is legitimately also worried about that. Like, that is something that he doesn't want to happen in the future. And it's fascinating having a character who is um, sapient, but also who doesn't want a lot of the autonomy that comes with sapience because he doesn't know how to deal with it. He wasn't built for that. He was never a child. Like yeah. children yeah. kind of like come into terms with their sapience, like in becoming like a functional human being or other alien races, presumably. Like that that doesn't happen. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't Mbot is just Mbot and like suddenly he's alive. There's no like transition period for him. You could argue this is his transition period. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like and this is just, kind of his childhood, and he just he doesn't have any oversight either. Like, there's no parental figure there who can help him through it. And Spencer just treats him like, basically, like a friend that's her own age almost. Yeah, who already has it figured out. Humans don't have to figure it out. Like, it, it ha- it's like it's a, it's a subconscious thing. To follow on from what Ian was saying, um, like I think like Embut doesn't have that instinctual subconscious drive of this is how you kind of develop and become a person and he has to actually do it himself and in a way this actually just jumped to my mind that it's sort of like people who have to deal with neuroatypical developmental issues they don't have that uh subconscious in a drive that like neurotypical people do and 
it's harder for them because they have to try and understand society in a way that everyone else just gets it. Yeah, and for sure. that's really frustrating. And I think that's what Embot's trying to do and go through is he's trying to understand how to be alive without having anything internal that's just like, oh yeah, you do it like this. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads to some of his very humorous things where he yeah. gets it completely wrong and you just you're just like, yep. oh Embot. Embot is very funny, as always. Yes. People say that Brandon doesn't write humor. I think that Embot is my favorite of Brandon's humor. I can believe that. Mm. He's really cute. He, his humor is really solid. Humor. Yeah. Yeah. Pivoting from Mbot to the Starsight crew. Yeah. We, we lose one crew of characters and then we get a whole new set of people that we're interacting with, which, and then we do that again in Cytonic. Very fun. Uh, <laughs> Remember when there was the jerk of Delva Flight School and then we got freaking Pirate Flight School instead? <laughs> like, Look, it actually just happened there's anyway. There's still one more book, Jess. There's still one more flight. We, we have to have another flight school. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, Just, Defiant only works if there's a flight school in it. Yeah, so no, of Delvers. Like, Defiant will be the, all the flight schools finally coming together and we'll have a great big party. Mm. Yeah, a giant flight school. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's part of why Cytonic worked for me is because like, oh yeah, like okay, now here's the flight school for the book. Like it, it just followed on as completely natural at that point. Okay. See, I'm I'm not saying that in a positive way. <laughs> I think it's, it's a it's getting contrived. That said though, I really like a lot of the Starsight uh characters. Mm -hmm. Like Moriamer, very interesting. Uh, I like that whole process, and that's just such a good example of, like, al these aliens don't think like humans, and that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And yeah, but also Moriamer's like, no, I want to be alive. I, I absolutely mm. want to be alive. And like, that was fascinating. And I wish we could see more of them in the future. That'd be yeah. Too bad they're a baby. They're a baby. Yeah. That's no, right. Don't even know. Though we don't even know if they're like a little baby or if they're like the same size. I thought there was no, a little like, baby. We did, we did see a picture of like their like left and right planet holding a small purple baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That conversation between Spencer and Murray Umer about the diome process of birth was so fascinating because I think it's another example um, in this book of Brandon trying to challenge the idea of this is how we think and this is the correct way of thinking. In and instead he's putting in, well, no, there's other ways you can think and that doesn't mean that that way is wrong. And it's just such a interesting point that he picked on because it does come across almost as like, not like euthanasia, or not, sorry, not euthanasia. Designer oh, babies. Yeah, like it comes uh, like eugenics. designer babies. And yeah, and eugenics. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, from an alien species, if they just see it differently, like uh, Spencer as a human really say that they're wrong in the way that they have their culture. And I think a lot of this book is just really a, a challenge against uh, saying that one culture is better than another, I think, yeah. and like trying to 
challenge those beliefs and biases that people have against other people. Yeah. But like, I also like that, like, there is like that challenging of biases. Brandon doesn't present it as like, and oh yeah, like this is like totally fine. Like it's because like it's it's people. Like it's not like there's always some issues with everything with the yeah. whole like self-selecting for like a peaceful and non-violent person. Mm. That like that's like the flaw in that process of like it kind of like self ends up self-selecting for a certain kind of person. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, that's very fascinating. But also, like, I love Moriamur being like, I mean, don't you want your children to be successful? Like, I mean, <laughs> it's a very interesting, crunchy thing. And I, I really yeah. like that about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's also kind of surprising that, again, like, this is a YA book. Like, it's not something I would sort of expect to be in a YA book. It's more something I would expect to be in a more adult book that mm-hmm. he's exploring these crunchier themes that don't have a simple answer, but yet he's put it into into something that is YA, which is 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 kind of good in a way. Like people should be thinking about these things to some degree. Like just because people are younger doesn't mean that they're not thinking about them. If anything, it's easier for a younger person to think about that because they're not so set in their ways of thinking and they're to be challenged while you're still exploring the world is a good thing. Yeah. And that's the entire book. Spencer is challenged by seeing the world. Yeah. Yeah. You are now outside your bubble. Uh, Moving on to the next of the Starsai crew who... Personally, is my favorite is a uh, vapor who is so interesting. I really want to know more about figments and just I loved how much uh, vapor was clearly mysterious in some way, and Spencer was suspicious of her in some way, and yeah, then vapor just turned out to be a spy, and it made so much sense because yeah. of course she would be. Yeah, like vapor as a character is like also very intelligent and mm-hmm. and also like kind of nice as well maybe maybe that's yeah. not the right word but yeah. like she's kind yeah yeah like, yeah which is just interesting traits to have which i think brandon likes to do the thing where like okay the character from this species is not like other people in that species right and i think mm-hmm. with figments right probably m- most normal People are uh, scared of figments because I can't see them and Mm. they're spooky and they can control my ship. And I don't like that, which is fair. So it's nice to have vapor being like, you know, I'm I'm a nice I'm I'm nice. I yeah, I'm floating. I can absolutely destroy you, but I'm nice. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, exactly. I love the fact the line of have I told anybody what you are? And just, you know, it's a bomb drop, but it's so it illustrates the character so well of this character is not out to get you. Yeah. Mm. And I love that Vapor, like she knew that Spencer was human, but was just completely wrong in the context of what was going on. I loved that. Yeah. Well, like first she thought like she had human ancestry. Yeah. Then it's like, Mm -hmm. then the reveal, like, no, she's just a human. Okay. Like humans are still around on Redon. 
and so it's like she's intelligent but like she is still working off of limited information yeah yeah and, and i love when smart characters are making totally rational decisions it's like mm -hmm. that absolutely mm -hmm. makes sense that paper would think all that you would not guess oh yeah a person from detritus was a cytonic it teleported over here like mm -hmm. why would i yeah, think yeah. that that's insane and i love her line like during the battle at the end where she finds Spencer. she's like oh so you're a human from this planet <laughs> yeah it's like she's finally figured it out yeah uh, vapor is my fave. Uh, love vapor. I really want to see more of vapor. Yes. I do too. My uh, vapor just in general, like they're so interesting. How do figments work? Like they're just a cloud of particulates yeah. that can exist in vacuum and not be ripped apart. You know, <laughs> like, it, 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 and also yeah. interface with technology somehow. Yeah, like they can take over technology and a, and. They come across almost like they're an AI, but Vapor got very offended when someone said that. Yeah. It's like, I do wonder if they're somehow connected to, like, like that ancient Delver-like entity. True. Mm -hmm. Let's hold this thought for the lore episode, because I think we can talk <laughs> yes. about figments for a I bit. I mean, that's my thought, so... <laughs> well, well we, I, I have some thoughts. I can talk that, more so. about figments. Yeah. That's not a problem. I think my favorite of the of the star site crew is Hesho and the Kitson. They are, I, they're really cute. Yeah. I, I just love, I love him. It's like, we're totally a democracy. And all the other Kitson are like, but, but we always voted against you. Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> like, they're, they're just it, trying so hard. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Or it's like his line about how like, Oh, like it's like so difficult living in a democracy and not a shadow dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're not being subtle right now. No, everyone no. knows what's happening. Every everyone no, knows. Mm -hmm. That's why everybody just keeps calling you emperor. I'm not the emperor. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> People aren't feeding me and fanning me. It's it's no. This is completely natural. I deserve this. <laughs> I do like at the end, though, where the crew does kind of stand up to him when yeah. he doesn't want to work with Spencer, knowing that she's human and she doesn't know what to do. And they're just like, what if you asked us? And they're like, no, we're going to work with Spencer. It's like, OK. That was such a good small character moment. I really liked that. Mm -hmm. Hesha was better in this book than than Cytonic. Gotta be honest. That's I mean, in his defense, Hesha knows who he is in this book. That's I think I just don't like amnesia things, maybe. Yeah, amnesia plots are always bad. Yeah. Yeah. There are some good amnesia plots. Like, Project Hail Mary is pretty good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Most amnesia Most plots amnesia are, plots are bad. <laughs> I, I don't think Brandon does them very well. Um, I, I, they're not his strong suit. To be fair, I would love to see him do an entire book that's dedicated to the amnesia plot instead of just being an aspect of it. You mean like Frugal Wizard? Isn't that basically Frugal that's Wizard? basically Frugal Wizard. Oh, I haven't read Frugal Wizard. People so don't yeah. like it. <laughs> I think that's yeah. just Wizard. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. I, I I love Hesho. They're, they're, yeah. they're great. Hesho. I was really sad when Hesho died. 
and then really mad and psychotic when he was away. <laughs> um, because like the way it's presented is like they literally say Hesho is dead. And I, I just don't like the implication of, well, we're going to use the, well, we didn't see the body, so therefore he's not dead, when they specifically say Hesho is dead. I didn't yeah. like that. But I, I was really upset because I did really like Hesho. Yeah, because yeah. like they, they show like like the hole in the ship. And it's like blackened. Mm. So I was like, was did the nowhere portal like rip it open maybe? Yeah. Maybe so it's just like, shot. it's not clear. It's not Hesho was ejected into space and is now dead. For all we know, they're looking at his dead body. Yeah. And saying like, nope, he's right there. He's dead. Like you could just have phrased it as we lost Hesho. Hesho and is gone. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. And then at least there's a little bit more ambiguity other than like, yeah, I mean, his corpse is right here, which like mm -hmm. there's a different implication. And I think that at least to me, Hesha kind of stood out a little bit of all the ones in the crew as like, this is the the major character yeah. that Spencer is interacting with. Like she's still having major moments with Mariuma and Braid and Vapor, but out of all of them, this is for me i would say like this is um the version of kimmelin from the mm. first book yeah yeah and that kind of made it worse when he died because it's like oh we got to know him more like he was a closer friend to spencer than some of the other characters and we got more interactions so it hit more when he died i got to take him back i don't think Brandon i'm not that. bitter no, not at all. There's also like an interesting like narrative thing that that ends with like Hesho of like Spencer revealing herself, like because she reveals herself as human three times. Yeah, mm. like the first time with Kuna, which is successful. The second time with Braid, which fails utterly. <laughs> and the third time with Hesho. And it's like, which way is this going to go? And it ends up ending well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like that moment in the Battle of Detritus. Yeah. There. That was good. I did not like Braid. Yeah, let's talk about Braid. Because Braid is... Braid's interesting. Braid's a controversial character, I think. Because... Mm. Yeah. She... I mean, to be fair, she's brainwashed in her entire life into thinking that the only thing that she can be is this... This, like, aggressive and angry person but at the same time i don't like her i mean you're not i don't think you're supposed to like her <laughs> i like braid as a character because like she is very much like spencer having to deal with someone very similar to her yeah yeah but also like showing like the dark side of a character like that knowing like what goes on like in cytonic and, and stuff like i don't think freight is brainwashed i just think she's bad yeah oh absolutely yeah for sure yeah she's raised her entire life with this propaganda of humans are aggressive humans are likely to lash out at any at a moment's notice without any warning she's like raised around that being drilled into her so to an extent, I think she is brainwashed. We see less of the act. She's definitely putting on a face for mm. uh, 
Alanique and like in the to the whole flight, really. I mm. think like mm, she, she I do think she's playing up that human. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm aggressive. Yeah, I'm dangerous. Whereas in like that, like at the end of this book, when she realized, like when Spencer like gets like the final read on her, is like, oh no, like she's just willingly going along with Winsick. Mm-hmm. like yeah she she's just a bloodthirsty person yeah yeah which like is playing into like those the tropes of or like the beliefs about humans yep but i like i she's just a bad person oh like, yeah 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 absolutely definitely from the end of this book and the the interludes that we get in cytonic like i would agree with ian that i think braid is just not a good person and for most of Sarside, like she's putting on an act to be like the stereotypical human, but underneath it, yes, she's gone through this society where she's been told that she needs to be aggressive, she's angry and all that. And I do think there is like legitimate anger there in like what happened to her parents mm-hmm. and how she grew up. But I think she's just a bad person as yeah. well. Um, <laughs> there were some scenes where, and I think this might be um because of how spencer was seeing it and like spencer's perspective where it came across like braid was more uncertain about the path she was going down and i was talking to eric about this and he said some really interesting things about how braid acted towards alanique versus how braid acted towards spencer at the end when he actually when she actually knew who she was and then it made a little bit more sense to me that okay i think braid is just putting on this act of being uncertain as well because she thinks that's what's going to pull alanique in and it's only after she finds out that alanique is actually a human called spencer that it's like oh okay i don't need to act like that anymore i'm just going to be upfront with you yeah and like try and join forces because we're both humans and let's just destroy things that's what we're good but for yeah, I, that's what you're good for I think she's a good person at all no. uh, i think she's a very interesting person and i i agree with ian that like having a character that spencer has to deal with who is basically spencer 2.0 for a while and suddenly spencer's seeing what other people dealt with in skyward that was really interesting. So I do have a complaint, though. <laughs> I have so many complaints about this. I'm so sorry, guys. This is such a stupid thing. But why is everyone so short in this series? You explain. Like Spencer, <laughs> Spencer is like five foot or like maybe slightly less than five foot. I can't remember. She's very short. As someone who's five two, she's shorter than me. Alanique is the same size as Spencer. That's why Spencer's able to pretend to be Alanique because the hologram works because they're the same size. Braid is only a few centimeters taller than Spencer. Why are all the female humans so small? I don't get it. That that is not normal. <laughs> That's fair. I didn't think about that, but. It's so all of the people like who Spencer's supposed to empathize empathize with are all the same si- height as her, and all of the pe- other people are super tall and lord over her. 
Because like Kuna's super tall. Kuna's so tall. Yeah. Jorgen's so tall. Ned is so freaking tall. I I can't say I I knew Spencer was short and I knew Alnik. Like, yeah. Alnik is the same size as Spencer, so we can get this plot to work. Okay, fine. Whatever. But the braid being small, it's like what? Really? It's what? because she's dark, Spencer. She has to. Yeah, be she big. has to. Yeah, all they, she's Spencer clone. We we mm-hmm. have to have Alanique be the same size so we can get the stork, and then we need evil Spencer, uh, and that's right. Yeah. Easy. And it's, like, there's an actual quote that's just like braids are a few centimeters taller than Spencer, and like if it was a few inches, that would be different. But a few centimeters is like two, three centimeters, which is like. His yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, like freaking nothing. It's for the um Cytoverse fighting game where Spencer and Braid are just alters of each other. They're using the <laughs> model. True. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, Braid's an interesting character. But you know what characters we don't see? We don't see Skyward Flight. We there, they're there for sure. And Sadie's a, a person. Part one. Yeah. Yeah, tea stall and catnip. Yeah, they're they're mm-hmm. there too. They're present. Yep, for sure. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm definitely glad that we get the Skyward Flight books because you don't get nearly enough of them in this book. They're just kind of yep there and then not. Because Kimmelin's mm-hmm. so great, and Kimmelin and Spencer were so great that it's yes. like, ah, I need, I need Spencer Kimmelin, ah, which you don't even get. There was Kimmelin Jorgen banter in this book we only got it once and we needed more of it because it was so good yeah rip okay we, we, we talked got... about skyward flight no just... <laughs> <laughs> we also got jorgen baking bread that that is i love jorgen baking bread and grand grand's all like spencer used to always cheat you don't cheat shocking he's yogan <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like um becca grand grand is a very similar person to spencer like mm-hmm. like they vibe with each other very much so like there is a little like so i think like she very much enjoyed like spencer's like rebelling against her instructions dude you're too just too boring for you me need, you need <laughs> to get some sticks out of your butt please like let's 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 like ease it up but I loved that Grand Grand like told different stories. It's like, oh well, I mean, th- th- those are those are Spencer stories. They're not for you. <laughs> I, I have different stories for you, which I loved that. And- I love the story she told. Yeah, yeah which is which was, is a true a story. Very very important story. Yeah, yeah no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah very yeah. important story. Yeah, and I love the fact that Jorgen doesn't get it at first. He's like, if he had obeyed, it would have been different. And it's- Grand Grand's like, no, if he obeyed, nobody would know him because everybody would be wiped out. What I like is it shows that like Grand Grand isn't just telling Spencer's stories. Like she's telling Spencer the stories she needs to hear. Yep. Mm, yeah. Because like she changes her stories based on who's listening. Yep. Mm, yeah. It's her way of passing on advice. And like mm. it's a pretty good way of doing it as well. Yeah, it's the Hoyd storyteller yeah. way of doing it. But I think Grand yeah. Grand's a Grand little Grand more is helpful. Hoyd. Uh, okay, I have a question for you guys. Okay, so your game goes to bake bread with Grand Grand because Cobb makes a comment that he knows a woman who bakes really good pies. 
do you guys think that Cobb and Grand Grand got together? Because I totally got that vibe. See, I Cobb's too too young for Grand Grand. Yes, it's yeah. like I forgot how old Cobb was for He's a like good while, something. and like in the site, like the Skyward Flight novels. Is there like a couple thing going on? And now like rereading this book, I'm like, no, like they're like an entire generation apart. Like yeah. he's only a few years older than his uh, her son. Like, yeah. The nightshade. Like this should not be a relationship. I, look, I still ship it. <laughs> I just I, I have such difficulty saying anything with confidence because you've been so hard on that theory for so long that I think it's reality. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I, I don't know. I thought I thought that was more explicit in the later books, right? Like, wasn't that a thing? But like, maybe that's not a thing. So uh, yeah. I don't and, think so. Okay. I think, it's, I think it's just that she made pie and her son brought home his wing made at one point. And, that does make more sense. That, no, that's for like, sure. Yeah. yeah Cobb but, does mention earlier in the book to Spencer about her grandmother like baking pies yeah apparently she just makes really great pies which i mean she's very good no. with the bread and stuff it makes sense i mean yeah putting those cytonic powers to good use mm -hmm. i mean to be fair she can see even though she's blind because of the cytonic powers so yeah, yeah that's, that's not like, sense yeah that's not like a fantasy cliche or anything <laughs> <laughs> well when you put it that way I, mean, yeah, it, 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 I, did, I did like the interludes uh, I, I still think like it definitely worked uh, on a reread knowing what I know of later books I remember reading Starside I'm like I need more of this please uh, mm -hmm. but like the interludes were good I do still think it was a little weird that Jorgen was not at all present for the the battle at Detritus at all and like Spence and Jorgen didn't reunite but like Spence like of all the dramatic things that happened in the ending Jorgen going in the caves to have a plot reveal is I mean it's fine I guess but okay <laughs> at the same time it would be distracting to have scene between Jorgen and Spencer as in the middle of that fight and you know that they totally would have had like a moment and it would have broken up the broken up the tension and broken make that the... battle longer I need more <laughs> stuff between Skyward Flight and uh Spencer and things there that's what I need but like it, it did work oh it, it worked fine on a reread like it, it did but it's just kind of funny how it worked out. And admittedly, you do really need the slugs for Skyward Flight to work because that's what it's about. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like, I think it, it was necessary with Spencer going into the nowhere, like, to give the audience hope for detritus. It's like, okay, like, don't worry about them. Like, they have hyperdrives yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. I, re I did really enjoy the epilogue with like Ned Otero and. Jorgen mm -hmm. looking for the slugs because I think it just shows like a really good look at the relationship between the three of them because of course they've been friends since before flight school and Ned and Arturo are just like what the hell is going on with Jorgen he never acts like this there's clearly a battle going on why are we down here why do you think Spencer is a good role model don't do what Spencer would do <laughs> don't follow that that's really bad advice it, it was just really funny to me because like it, 
they clearly have such a good relationship that they know Jorgen's acting out of sorts. And usually I think Jorgen would be the one that's like, hey guys, like you, you I'm putting yeah. you back on the rails. And so it's yeah, that reversal. Yeah, yeah. Jorgen's the one putting people on the rails. Speaking of Jorgen, uh, Spencer and Jorgen, guys. Yeah. It happens in this book. Uh, very, very briefly, but it still happens. And, and I left. was very pleased by this. Yeah. Book one sets up the potential for their relationship. It never becomes a thing. Like they're they're not in a relationship in Skyward. And then all of a sudden at the beginning of this book, they're in a relationship, basically. Well, they're not. They're, they're still like in that flirting around each other stage. Because there's a couple of mentions um, before Alan crashes, which... I really enjoyed that's some of my favorite type of like romance stuff. But yeah, then like the sudden kiss was it was very sudden. Um like yeah. It's like, okay, cool. I guess now we are in a relationship. But um we have to do it I, I'm now. looking forward to to try um not to try to defy it to see how it actually pulls together. Because yeah, like they're not really in a relationship, and if they are, they have been in one for what like 30 seconds while they're together yeah. and then they're just gone. it's good they're, it's solid yeah. they're solid oh yeah she sees him in the bathroom half naked perfect yeah and, like, <laughs> and then pranks him by going to take off her and jumpsuit <laughs> they're good they're solid like i guess it, it just felt abrupt to me yeah. Mm, yeah. But like it kind of has to be because when are they going to see each yeah, other again? That, that's exactly yeah. the thing. That it's it has like been like six needed to sneak that in so that they can to. be in a relationship later. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It definitely would have been worse if they had none of that through Starside and Cytonic. That would be bad. Yeah. I think if it was all left until after Cytonic before like they actually got into a relationship, then it would just feel really rushed and squished. Yeah. So um, better to rush it now least... and gloss over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll start it, put it on pause and come back to it. Yeah. Cause like at least they, they have this six month time skip to yeah. like mm. as a smoke screen. Yep. Any other characters that we want to talk about or? I have a character I wish to bring up because okay. I always find this so funny. Okay. In the scene where um, Spencer and all of that uh, and everyone's like watching what happened with the Delver and um, she sees herself come oh, into out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like at the very beginning and there's all the eyes and stuff and like some people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't see anything. And I think Jorgen says something about like, yeah, there's like, lights in the screen and there's some random tech who has a single line who's like yeah i i, I can see lights or something and I, I actually looked it up because I, I wanted to get the quote so the quote goes you don't see it i asked looking around at the others and their confused expressions the darkness jorgen asked there's a man on the screen the one who is making the log then there's a blackness behind him broken by white lights like eyes, one of the texts said. <laughs> just like a random one of my jackets, just psychotic in the background. Anyway, I've always loved that and love pointing it out to people. That's fantastic. I mean, like they say, like humans produce a lot of cytonics. Yeah. Yep. 
I, I actually like the fact that there's more cytonics on detritus than what we actually see. And mm-hmm. the, there's the potential for them to not even know what it is that they're looking for. And so there's sleeper agents, if you will. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it's more cytonics than even they are aware of. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Any final thoughts? No. That's good. Awesome. Well, thank you for watching. You can find us at 17thshard.com for all the news, discussion, theories, and fun you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube. And you can support us also on Patreon. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.